0: Welcome to the Valiant Thirty Three podcast. Today it's me and Stu, and a special guest, Nick Moisovsky, president of the Rock City Boom, here to join us. Nick, how you doing?
1: Hey guys, how's it going?
2: It's going great. 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 great to have you.
0: Everybody's doing great today. <laughs> so we're we're here today. We're going to talk a little bit about Rock City Boom, about the upcoming season, and then uh Stu has a little bit of a a hot topic with the pro-rel discussion. Um, and I think it would be good to have Nick's perspective on that, having uh, owning a UPSL team. So, Stu, uh, how do you want to lay this out?
2: So, what well, the premise of kind of the, the pro-rel discussion is, it's been something that's been talked about a lot, and questions about why don't we do it? Why isn't Why isn't it the reality? And there's a lot of reasons why, but I figured... Let's just kind of throw it out there and see what happens if, if we did have prorel. So, what we're going to do is we're going to start with a team that goes from the local amateur ranks, like RDSL, not even um, not even Division Four, and then goes up all the way to MLS and see what the see see what my view of the economic realities of that is. Some of the the big gotchas that would happen, and what happens when you make it to MLS and then go down.
0: All right, so Nick, being, being the, the one of the owners of Rock City Boom, how did you guys get started? Did you guys go right into UPSL, or did you start in RDSL? I know you guys have some roots in RDSL, but were you guys yeah, ever? Yeah, so um,
1: I come from the Macedonian background, so um, as long as I can remember, we, we had a team in the RDSL, so as a kid, growing up i used to go to games i used to watch games uh, when i turned 16 i started playing in the rdsl and um you know when i got done playing uh i started running the team so i ran a team for four years uh in rdsl uh, that's kind of where I, I met mark he was running a team um, and we kind of like uh outgrew kind of like the RDSL and kind of wanted to go to the next level. So uh, our first venture actually was in the MPSL uh, with the Rochester Dogs And, you know, we did that for a year. And that kind of um, – and this is where where I'll get in with the, the financials of, you know, running a team and the realities of pro-relegation. Um, that hit us – That was like a reality check, like how much money it costs to run the team. And that's even just really hyper-regionalized as well. Um, And, you know, after a year, um, we saw what the cost structure was. And the MPSL for us was a tough model. Um, So then we regrouped a few years later, um, got a UPSL team going, which doesn't cost quite as much as an MPSL team, but it's still the costs are there.
0: Well, I, I know Stu's got a whole layout, and I'm curious to to see what you think about that because it does kind of dip into some of the things you said. But before we do that, I want to bring up. You said that originally you were with the the Macedonian team, so I know like a lot of people uh, they know about the 1970s Lancers and the NASL, but most people I think consider actual like pro soccer coming in 1996 with the Rhinos. But before that, it was pretty much just all ethnic teams around town. Do you have any like stories about the how that used to be? Because I know like there's still like teams like the Brooklyn Italians. I know the I uh, uh the the Italian Sports Club still has a team that operates. But Rochester soccer and I think a lot of soccer in America was basically just ethnic teams.
1: Well, when I was playing, um, you know, I, I started playing in 1994 um, the ethnic teams were still there, but you kind of had like, so like the Italian team, for instance, now they might have like two or three Italian guys on the team. Uh, there's a Ukrainian team. I, I don't, maybe the same thing, maybe like a couple, uh, my first season, the entire team was ethnic Macedonia. So we had a whole,
0: no we're there, Albanians. You, know, got, you didn't get any Albanians on that team.
1: Uh, no, there's not really a big Albanian population in Rochester. There's at least um,
0: one. I know that. <laughs>
1: um, so, you know, the Greeks had a team. The Turkish had a team. The Italian teams had like they were mostly like Italian. Um, there was a Sicilian team. Uh, there was like Irish Americans. German Americans were really big. I'm glad. I'm
0: I'm glad that the Sicilians and the Italians had two separate teams. I think that's really important. <laughs>
1: Um, uh, there was a, um, a
0: let's right see,
1: was, was a uh, Jamaican team. Uh, let's see what else. Um, the German, the Germans had a really, like they were, they were the only two clubs that owned their own facilities was us and the Germans. And they were strong for a really long time. But I think what happens is after, after you're here for a couple generations, people assimilate, people intermarry and those, you know, um, Those ethnic ties—they don't really mean as much anymore. So, like when my dad played in the '70s, almost every team was ethnic. Um, There was maybe like a few, like, or quote, like American—you know non ethnic teams. But I just think as the further like things go along and more people get more assimilated, that those things don't really matter as much anymore. So, like the couple teams you have left now are, yeah you have the Italian team run by the Italians. They play at the Italian Sports Center, but they're not... uh, I mean, there's maybe a couple guys that are Italian on the team.
0: And they got Brazilians Um, on every one of these teams, too. That's just how it goes.
1: But, no, there were some great, great stories um, back in the day, like when I uh, when I used to play and when I used to watch of just... um, You know, you had that extra heated rivalry if you had like a, you know, like a Turkish team play the Greek team or something or playing the Turkish or, um, you know, so, but it was all in, um, you know, there was never like any, any like problems as far as like, people getting punched or anything or, you know.
0: Well, is it true that, that, um, like when in 1996, when they were forming the rhinos, like initial squad, wasn't there some of those ethnic team guys that, that went to that team?
1: No. Um, there was a team called Team Lapine. He was a local uh, lawyer. And what he did, he, he put an RDSL team in, in like the like mid mid to late 80s. And back then, RDSL used to have, used to go from 6th Division to Premier. so they didn't have like an over 30. So you got in, you had to start in the 6th Division. That team went straight, like seven years promoted every single year and were the best of the best in Rochester. Um, now that team in 1995, um, their roster, I believe, um, I know it was Yogi Makkay, uh, I want to say Tim Ash, Howard Allen. And I think it was like one of maybe Chris kennel. I think it was like four guys from that team. Uh, Were part of, and I I could be wrong, but I I, that's what from kind of what I remember is like four or five guys from that team formed like the initial roster of the Rhinos. Yeah, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't any of the ethnic uh, teams.
0: So here in that, basically having six divisions below, and I know it's just RDSL, but essentially that's the essence of of like a, a larger pyramid which is, you know, the, the cream rises to the top. And I know everybody online likes to say ProRel is the only way that that shit's really going to work here in America. And on one side, I see that point. Yes, it's way more interesting. You see a lot of American fans flocking to European leagues that have ProRel, and it, it's just like an inherent soccer thing that ProRel, you know, it exists. And then you have the other side, which is, well, you're going to have twice as many teams fold, um, which you know is, is really just a D1 problem because teams fold in D2 and lower all the time. Um, so, Stu, I guess, do you want to kind of set up your vision of the pyramid and then just see kind of what everybody thinks about that? I've, I've, I've brushed it over briefly, I'll be honest with you. I didn't read the whole yeah. thing, but I trust that it's going to make sense.
1: Yeah, I just want to um, bring up one other point that that, um, and I'll let Stu. I've done a lot of talking, I'll let Stu talk. But um, and, and me, I would love to see promotion relegation. Uh, obviously, I think it's it, having an open system is great. Um, I don't, and maybe Stu has the answer coming up. That's why I'm,
0: I'm, I doubt you know,
2: it. <laughs> I'm hey.
1: um, but I think what a lot of people don't. Um, the pro the pro pro rel people don't realize that when MLS MLS was started as a condition of U S hosting the ninety four World Cup, mm-hmm. they said you can't host the World Cup without having a professional league. And after NESL folded in nineteen eighty four, we really didn't have a league. You know, and a lot of people love to think about oh NESL, the glory days oh you know Pele and Beckenbauer and you know Cruyff they all they all played here. Didn't realize is NASL was like one of the least like stable leagues. It lasted for seventeen years, but the amount of teams in the league fluctuated like every year. Um,
0: and I mean, you could say it's kind of like what NISA is going through right now, which is ironic because NISA was established to be a second tier to NASL, and they've kind of taken on the problems of the you know the, the ghost parent club. Right. So, so like MLS or don't
1: like them, but it started in 1996 where in 2023, the league is, is growing. I started with 10 teams. It's up to 29 and you know, say what you will, but the cities that they do pick to expand to they've hit like, like I think the last miss was Chivas USA. And since then it seems like every other city that they've expanded to, those are the teams that are like the, the most popular, like your Atlanta's, your Toronto's, um,
0: well, Chivas oh, dear, USA uh, actually, you could say, turned into LAFC, which is better than Chivas USA could have ever yeah, been. Yeah,
1: LAFC is, is doing tremendous. And the teams that are kind of like, you know, dragging their feet along are the teams that were like the, those, the original teams. So, yeah, should there be pro rel, yeah, it would be in a, an ideal world, it'd be great. But MLS is, I'd say, the strongest it's been. It's not, I mean, they're bringing in guys from South America that are like in their prime. They a guy like Tiago Almada that won the World Cup for Argentina and he was on an MLS roster. That's the first time that's ever happened. That's crazy. That, I would have never thought that MLS would be getting guys with that caliber, that caliber of player at that age.
0: Well, no. it's, a, it's, um, I, I want to say it's a, it's a money thing because, I mean, we all know it's it's single entity. That's all basically one Walmart. It's just different departments of that Walmart, essentially. So you have teams like LAFC. Um, I think Toronto's up there, too. And uh, the New York teams are kind of up there as far as, like, Club Worth. They just released something. I should have looked it up. But obviously, LAFC's the big one. It's $1 billion. That's the club worth. And then at the bottom, you have teams like Montreal, some of the original teams like Chicago. Um, Montreal is not an original team, but they came in slightly after. Um, Those teams aren't worth shit, really. And a lot of fans are actually pointing blame at them, saying, you're the ones holding this league back. When it's just a symptom, in my opinion, it's a symptom of having a closed system where they have no incentive to do anything it's it's kind of like the argument of capitalism versus communism like there's no incentive for people to go above and beyond if there's no reward um and that's where i think pro rel coming in where it's almost like the threat of going down is a big incentive for teams to actually spend and if they can't spend you sell the team and somebody else who wants to spend comes in and does it
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that premise. I mean, just because look at how exciting the bottom – and I know you're not a big fan of the English Premier League, but – It's tight. It's within
0: three points from like 12 down to 20.
1: 19, or 19 is three points. So those teams – those games are all going to be – that are involved with those teams are all going to be exciting from here to the end of the season. Right.
0: It's more interesting than the top of the table, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the top of the table, you know, they you got two teams – fighting for it really um and yeah bottom of the table i mean three of those teams are going to go down and lose a lot of money and you know the other teams are going to stay up and it's yeah that's what makes the the pro the idea of pro ralph so exciting
0: Um, all right Stu, go into what your layout is for this pyramid starting at the bottom i think you already touched in on the rdsl aspect but Jump ahead to the, the level that uh, Rock City Boom is at, which is UPSL.
2: Yes, yeah, so I, I, I'm going to not answer your question and go into a bit of um, one note. If you can take me away when I'm talking. Th- yeah, I think that'll help. The um, I'm going to first go into kind of the ideas around the, the league structure and then talk about some of the assumptions. So we're just starting it's 5 leagues so or 5 divisions um just for clarity's sake it's basically every city has has their own league structure and then they it, it all the cities basically combine in D5 to fight each other out for the national championship D4 we're just going with UPSL with East Midwest um West the, For Division Three, we're going USL League One, just because I wrote this long enough ago that uh, MPSL Next Pro or MLS Next Pro didn't really make any sense for it. Then D two, we're doing USL Championship, and then D one is MLS. um, Well, MLS Next Pro shouldn't be included anyways because I I know they say
0: they got independent teams, but for the most part, right now they don't. Right now, yeah. Well, it's it's a I mean, the, um, they have some coming, like the Cleveland yeah. team, but yeah, it's a reserve league for the purposes of this argument right now it, and probably also in reality.
2: It, yeah, and, and just for clarity, I'm not including NISA. I'm not including um, some of the other leagues just because it would make it all complicated. Um, then going into some of the assumptions we're going to make because there's no way to make this directly from what we have right now. Um so fields So every league right now has field requirements as you go up. Um, those stadiums are just going to show up right now. They don't exist, but when we eventually hit MLS, we're going to have an MLS specific stadium that just exists shows up day one. Um, well,
0: Rochester actually does.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So ownership requirements, um, other owners are just going to show up when we need them. And, um, that's not going to be a problem. The player contracts. So one Wait, of the big again, it, the ownership requirements are just going to show up. Okay, that'd so, be nice, so, wouldn't so, it? Yeah. So uh, when we need when we need someone who has deep pockets for the start of the season, they just exist. <laughs> um, all the players. First, we're gonna we're gonna be able to sign twenty players a season. We're gonna have them all signed to one year contracts. Um, that's not normal so um we're just going to say that every game's a sellout just for some of the financial stake that we may or may not get into we're going to write an article for this later because there's some things that just aren't interesting on a podcast for me to be saying but we do have have receipts um A little bit of the expense and income we'll we'll discuss. It's going to always be um, expenses are always going to be on the low side. Income is always going to be on the high side. We've got Nick to tell me how dumb I'm being for some of this. Um, we're not we're playing, clear. We're
0: playing the optimistic view. On that.
2: Yeah, it's it, we're trying to explain how. Uh, how pro rel would look knowing that there's a lot of assumptions that are going to make that are not going to exist in the real world, but we need the system to work. So we don't go bust three weeks into a season. Um, so. Yeah. So the um, Nick, any thoughts before I start? Um,
1: I think. So. I just think the structure of that, um, how the, that league is set up there, the gulf between UPSL and that next level is like, you could say it's one tier, but it's just,
2: it's, it's,
1: it's not realistic for a, a, a UPSL team. Let's say to win. So let's say for instance, we'll use my team, for example, since I know, I know our finances, I know our net worth.
2: Do, do we want to hold on to this for just a second? Because yeah, I, no, I've, So, um, I've got a lot of that budget in, in here, so hopefully it'll be, um, it'll be great to have you in two, in five minutes, talk about that. So we're going to start in the fifth tier. So we're, we're Valiant 33 FC. We've been dominating the 2023 season. We win the champion, we win the local championship. Then we go on to the national and we get it in. So now we're promoted to D4. Um, the, pro- the the big thing that we have right now in D5 is it's just a bunch of local guys. Next year, they're not going to cut it. I'm not going to be the goalkeeper next year. We don't need a 40-year-old goalkeeper, and um, we don't want to do a Nisa, a Nisa thing either. In New with-
0: Amsterdam, yeah.
2: Yeah. So the- we're promoted to D4, UPSL. <laughs> we're the Rochester team for that. So I'm setting the budget at 15k. Um, that's just kind of a random number I brought up, and there's a bit there's a lot of changes that we're talking about. So, um, a few players might be on minimal salaries or some sort of bonus structure, but the the vast majority are just going to be college players. We're playing just like UPSL happens right now, where for, it's primarily a summer league, and it's a college players, weekend warriors, either playing for fun or trying to move up. Let
1: um, me uh, just interject for a second that U- yep. um, UPSL, um, they, they run a, a, a spring and a fall season. And uh,
0: one of the things that they, they vehemently say is we're not a summer league. Okay. So
1: um, there would be that as well. Like if there were some kind of promotion relegation, they would probably require you to play both seasons. Um, yeah. The way that promotion, the way the promotion promotion relegation within the U, because we have it within the UPSL, the way it is supposed to work, is uh, like if you win the spring, like D one, is like the second tier. If you win that in the spring, you get promoted to the Premier in the fall. Um, in Western New York, in our division, we we just haven't been able to get enough teams in the fall, um, just because our our division happens to mostly be college based players. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a lot of the teams are. So, um, if it was, let's say, on like a national level, mo- most of the divisions do have a spring and a fall, and they promote within spring to fall. And then, if you get relegated in the fall, you go back down in the spring. So, just want to put that in. Go ahead. It, it,
2: yeah, so that makes that makes perfect sense. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a different structure where. This is going to be an expansion on what we were playing last year. But for one thing, most of, these play, most of the players playing last year aren't going to be playing this year. So we're talking 2024 for the D4. Um, so we've got 15 k in expenses. Um, income's limited, but we do make some money. We get some sponsors in. We get um, 300 people a game showing up at $5 a ticket profit. So we're breaking breaking even. Um, and then somehow at the end of the season we win the national championship so we're promoted H- how do the how do those financials you don't need to get, go too deep into actual <coughs> specifics but how do those sound so far nick uh,
1: i think those financials are realistic for the yeah for a d4 um, might cost um now the realities of a team like let's say uh in these a lot of these like local like state leagues so state league would be like the rdsl the bdsl those teams are 99.999 percent of those teams are perfectly happy playing at a local level or they're never going to want to move up and play at a next level if someone has aspirations they they go and they put their money together and they they start a upsl team which is um what's happened with a couple other uh, teams that I've been able to bring in um, from like well not really bring in but they, they kind of saw what we were doing and they got the idea of hey from the BDSL hey let's let's come and join the UPSL but they weren't like the top team of the BDSL like so for instance I, I could tell that the or I just know for a fact that the, the teams that are in the top of the RDSL BDSL would if, if you force them or if, if there was some thing where like hey if you win the rdsl you join the upsl the majority of the time teams would just decline but if there is a team that has aspirations they would just join one of those leagues so that there's that um, and then let's say the upsl then the other the other problem is you have a upsl you have an mpsl you have a usl2 you have nisa nation you have all these like quote unquote fourth tier um, amateur some people call them semi-pro, whatever you want to call them. Um, what would automatically eliminate an NPSL and a USL 2 is just the calendar that they play in. It's summer league. They play from mid-May to like the end of the summer. They're highly reliant on college players. So those teams would never, um, even if you know a team won in the NPSL, they would have to make that decision. Hey, do we continue playing in this structure that we're happy with this may to august structure of relying on college players not paying any guys or now that we get promoted do we go up to this next and whatever that next level would be um where we're going to probably have to have a million dollar operating budget um so they're going to have to come up with money from somewhere and they're going to have to just change their whole structure of okay well now we got to play um you know the march to whatever november schedule. Uh, UPSL it does, because it has two seasons, uh, those teams would be able to fit that uh, time frame, and so would Nisa Nation. Nisa kind of, Nation kind of plays like a fall and a spring schedule. Um, so those two leagues would, would be able to do it as far as like calendar-wise, but now when you're talking budget, there's just such a huge jump between those uh, national like amateur leagues and that next level pro, which I would say is like the NISA, um, that it would it would have to be restructured to where it's a pyramid where, like, let's say you had 20 teams in the top flight. And then maybe at the second division, you you, you create like an east and a west conference of like maybe 20 teams each. Then your third would, your third division would have to be super like regionalized, maybe like four and then you would have to create like a fourth tier where you had like maybe eight, like really really localized, where the travel would be cut down, um, and that fourth tier would not be uh, anything with like a, a like a uh, like an MTSL or USL two. Uh, it would it would be teams that are totally on board with hey, we're we're in this promotion relegation thing, we're looking to do it. Um, but right now, like for instance, like a City Boom, if we were to win. Um, the UPSL this year, uh, we wouldn't be looking to get promoted just because it just would cost too much. Here's the thing: um, the the deeper the playoff run, the more it's going to cost you. So, like, mm-hmm. um, so for instance, like we, we made the Northeast finals last year. We won the West New York division. Um, just traveling out to um, Boston for a weekend. I'm not going to say how much it cost us, but it, it, it hit us in the pocket. Um, if we would have won that round, we would have had to go to Chicago the, the two weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there is um, like a travel pool that we put together for the Northeast region, which would have covered some of that expense. But, um, I mean, you guys, I guess you could figure out how much it would take to fly because you're not going to want to drive to Chicago. You got to fly out to Chicago. Uh, let's say 20 20 players and like three four staff for a couple nights stay there you know provide food and everything for the guys um the travel pool uh, came out to about four thousand dollars so every team tripped in like 50 bucks so <laughs> um or 100 bucks so calculate how much your trip to chicago would be and then if you make it to the national final luckily last year it was held in columbus which was within driving distance but uh, the year before that, it was held in Los Angeles. So let's say you end up in one of the years where you got to go to Los Angeles to play in the national final four. Uh, now, UPSL does provide like if you win the title, it's like eighteen thousand, right? If you win it, if you finish second, it drops down to like thirty-five hundred, and then third is like three thousand, and fourth is like two thousand. So now, do your math. You got to stay in Los Angeles. Let's say it happens to be one of those years where you stay in Los Angeles for. Uh, a couple of nights, the other for three nights because you're playing uh, like on a Friday and a Sunday. Um, you're flying 20 guys out there, uh, hotel room, you know, room board, food, travel, all that. Add that into your uh, expenses. That's saying if you're going all the way to the national title. So you're not getting to the national title game and winning it uh, on $15,000. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, I, I in in the financials I included the the bonus, but I will say I was about sixty percent higher than what the actual bonus was. So it sounds like basically, if you make it to the final final four, you need to win to make it financially viable whatsoever. Yes,
1: if you don't win, there were, well, there was even a team the team that won the spring twenty twenty one season. Uh, they held a GoFundMe um uh, to get out to the national final. And they ended up winning it, and they're not in the league anymore. So, so it's,
0: the- it, it sounds to me like it, it's <sighs> it's the same problem that's essentially plaguing every level of the pyramid, which is money. If you don't have a shit ton of money, it's hard to really operate higher than the level than you initially go into in the system that exists right now.
1: It's totally, to me, if first the other the other issue is all these different leagues that we're talking about all have different views on how soccer should be run. So, UPSL, they they hate the single season structure. They specifically, the way they're set up, we have a spring league, we have a fall league. We're not a summer league. If you can't make it, if you can't play between these dates, oh well. Nice, um, NPSL and USL, too, are strictly, those are developmental leagues. They play from May. They play from August. So a lot of the people that, like, this is what, what annoys me about when I see these pro row people, is not that I'm against pro row. I'd love to see it. But they just, they've never ran a team. They don't understand just how opposed and how different the views are. You're not going to get NPSL and UPSL to just all of a sudden say, hey, kumbaya, let's come, let's, combine our leagues for the good of soccer and you know so we could do pro rel. because no they're on they're on different like different people run these leagues and then Mm. you go to the next level nisa that's a totally different group and then usl that's a totally different group and mls that's a totally different group so unless us soccer came down and said hey you know what here's what we're doing if you guys want to continue playing in our playing in usa we're all gonna have to be on the same page it would take something like that or it would have to be where MLS is missing out on something. Like yeah. if let's say USL got crazy popular and they started drawing record attendances and they they did let's say pro route between their USL championship and USL one and that became super popular. And everyone started watching that and MLS started losing. Kinda of like when the AFL and the NFL merged. AFL um, and this is before all of our times, it was like in the 60s, AFL was able to get top college players that weren't, uh, they are were being overlooked by the NFL. And Super Bowl three, the Jets beat the, the Colts, which was like one of the biggest upsets of like all time. You know, that showed that the AFL could hang with the NFL. And NFL saw, hey, there's this league that's, they're taking money off of our table. They're like, well, we either got to merge them, we got to merge with them, or, you know, we're potentially going to be losing money and well
0: a hurt. lot of that was foul well, not what well, quote unquote foul play by the afl too because they would draft the same players like herschel walker and then no
1: you're thinking of usfl I'm you, AFL before that
0: okay well i th- there's actually a documentary about it called full color football that you can find on youtube uh but like afl would would do like all sorts of uh like hijinks to get these players into their league um rather than going to NFL. But yeah, it did get to a point where AFL was pestering NFL enough to force into a merger.
1: So unless something like that happens where it becomes financially – like MLS has a financial incentive or if there's like this – like, and I, I don't know how U.S. soccer works. Uh, I don't know if they would have the power to, to – Maybe they could. I don't know. They No, um, they
0: should be able to. It's it's the federation. Yeah. Like this It's what happened in India where they had two different operating D1 leagues, I-League and ISL. And then eventually the Indian Federation came down and said, enough, one of you is D1, one of you is D2. Um, because teams would go back and forth between the two leagues all the time. It was like a power play move. And then the Indian Federation said, no, fuck you guys. ISL is, is first because they are bringing in the money. The, the league was basically created to help the indian national team and it is, it's just they have the they had the deal on espn but the numbers are there so you guys are d1 i league you're d2 we're doing promotion relegation between the two we're gonna do promotion a little bit to at first to fill out the isl and then in like three four years we're gonna start introducing relegation and that's just what it is
1: End of part one.